Well, that sounds pretty majestic, doesn't it? Welcome to It's a Religion. This is Ehud, son of Dennis, coming to you live from the Middle West of the divided states of America to the Republic for which they stand. Two nations under God, quite divided with liberty and justice for some. And I was encouraged last night at a uh, local political meeting of a board that uh, things could be a little better. We'll see. But um, there's a rift in this country. There's uh, folks that want to take it one direction, folks that want to take it another direction. And uh, at the national level, it's pretty nasty. And I don't know how it's all going to play out, but there's a lot of money involved and a lot of feelings. It was interesting that I still confirmed my opinion last night that that there's, you know, people do a lot of things by how they feel. And I got chastised actually by a uh, one lady that, you know, feelings are how people make a lot of decisions. People buy houses based on feelings and cars and do a lot of things. But I wish I would have in the moment been thinking clearly because I would have said, well, yeah, that doesn't always make it right, though. Just because people do things on feelings doesn't mean we should act on those feelings. We should analyze things, analyze facts, look at things from a uh, reasoned perspective. And I think it's interesting that that you know, in our today, in our day and age, that people who call themselves those of reason are ones that do not subscribe to a heavenly Father, ones who not do not describe to subscribe to the God of the Bible. And yet, if you are reasonable, if you do reason with your brain, you look at the two sides that you basically have, which is either the God of the Bible created everything, as He says. And there's life, there's purpose to life, and there is a plan to this whole thing. Or, he didn't, and you're from a bowl of soup. Now, which one is more reasonable? And, you know, when I say that, I don't try, I'm not trying to say that to belittle the idea of evolution directly, but it really is that simple. And, you know, they try and fluff it up with all kinds of fancy names and ideas and uh, science, supposed scientific uh reasoning or explanations you know i'm basing this on what i can see and i'm like well yeah you know i can see there were words written down by people who were there and over here you got a bowl of soup five billion years ago that nobody's ever seen or heard of or nobody was around when it happened and you ain't got nothing so i you know i don't know what you're getting at there but it's not from a standpoint of reason it's from a standpoint of uh, wanting to believe wanting to uh, do that. So that's kind of where we're at with things uh, in this vein. And um, it's, it's an interesting life. So um, interesting time to be alive, for sure. Um, but we hear it, it's a religion. We start with the Bible. We say that, look, the Bible is true. It's the word of God. It's what God has given us. The, the one who created all this, the one who sustains all of it the one who is coming back to culminate it uh you know and i read about that this morning in first thessalonians which we'll get to eventually but just talking about the people who put their trust and faith in god are children of light not darkness children of uh, looking forward and not back looking up and not down and 
you know, that's an exciting thing. It's a beautiful thing to be part of that and to be mindful of that, to be thankful for that. And to know that, that someday when this does culminate in the conclusion that we'll be there with the others who have put their faith and trust in Christ. And, you know, the folks that haven't will be gone. Well, I don't know. You know, it, it, there's an eternal damnation factor there that, that you know, I hope nobody has to encounter and deal with. And, you know, I've heard different people say, you know, who would would do that, you know, would, holy God, or, you know, I, I don't want to believe in a God that would do that to people. Well, it's not your plan, and it's not your uh, ability to even say whether or not that's right or wrong. You know, from our perspective, we can we can come up with all kinds of things. But God is God, and if you trust and put your faith in Him, then, you know, we have to do it His way, period. Exclamation point, end of story. So, uh, but again, we start with the Bible here, and we're going to read... Uh, we're reading from the book of Genesis. We started out in Genesis 1-1 with the creation of everything. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period, exclamation point, end of story. Uh, there was no bowl of soup five million years ago. And, and I, I, if there was, I believe God would have told us about that. But he did not. He just said he spoke it into existence, and it was here. And that's basically the way Jesus healed people, right? Your eyes are healed. Get up and walk. Um, he didn't need five million years to do anything. So, for those of you that, that somehow try and, and please men by uh, incorporating evolution into the Bible, uh, don't. Just don't. There's no reason for it. There's no need for it. Trust in God. Trust in His Word and what He gave us. Uh, there's plenty of proof for a younger earth that uh, you can glean from that goes against the uh, narrative, which is what it is. It's a narrative to try and uh, circumvent the God of the Bible by the use of evolution. So Genesis 40 is where we're at this morning. We're going through uh, the life of Joseph and what's going on with him. So uh, Joseph, whose father was Jacob, whose father was Isaac, whose father was Abraham, uh, who goes back through the line of Seth and uh, Noah after the flood. So sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master, and Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was and in the palace of the captain of the guard. So they're in for it. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. And while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them, and they replied, We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Well, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. 
And please remember me to do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, Well, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket of my head. Well, this is what the dream means, Joseph told them. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole, and then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Can you imagine hearing that? That would really not be good. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff, and he summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted, when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. At least not yet. We'll see what happens down the road, but... So these two uh, have dreams. Joseph tells them what the dreams mean. And Pharaoh then uh, does what Joseph uh, predicted. and Or what God predicted, basically, and uh, informed Joseph of. And so now though those two fellows, are, one is gone, the other one is back in his position. Uh, which we will see what God uses that for later. So, and again, you know, this is all written down for our benefit, folks. This is all given to us over years and years and years. And um, so that we know, we know what happened. We know how uh, God, through his story, history, brought to life Jesus Christ. And that's what the Old Testament is about. Everything in the Old points to Christ. And everything in the new is of Christ, um, is the New Testament in Christ. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that God did for us. So so you can put your faith and trust in that and be confident. You can walk confidently. You don't have to cower to the uh, ways of this world. There is no, no reason to because when you shine that light, the light of God, the light of God's word on that darkness... The darkness will hide. The darkness will flee. At some point, it may not be immediately, um, but you know when you walk into a dark room and you shine a bright light, that darkness goes away. The light overtakes it, and that's just the way it works. So Satan does not have a choice in that matter. It's uh, it's done. So, well, thank you for stopping by, Lord God Almighty. I thank you for this day. Please bless it and keep it as only you can. In Jesus' name. No, and